My friends, we are in a ser sermon series that has gone on for quite some time, and, uh, and it's good because it is forming us and it is instructing us on um, things that we may have forgotten as a church. And so we go into the book of Acts to see the church formed, the early church formed, and all the things that they struggled with, all the things that were amazing and everything in, in, in between, and hopefully we can pull from that ourselves too, because the world is, is a strange place. It continues to be wicked and sinful, but the one thing that remains is the Word of God, His truth through Jesus Christ, and that we are invited in as, as believers in Christ to be disciples and followers and to be in step with those first apostles, sharing this good news and continuing to see the Word go out and expand and bring more and more people into the fellowship of believers. Amen? amen? Amen. That was a weak amen. amen. Amen? Amen. Very good. That was that was good stuff there. What is it about the Word of God? What is the big deal about the Bible and Scripture? Well, let's go to it and let's find out. Let's see what, so a couple of things that are there because I just happened to pull those out today through a quick Google search. Hebrews 4.12, for the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to the dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. Wow, graphic. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Hebrews 4.12. Psalm 119.105, your word is a lamp for my feet and a light unto my path. You all remember that song? Thy, where it's an old, old contemporary song. James 1.22, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves, do what it says. And then James goes on to say that anyone that hears the word and doesn't do it, it's like a person who looks in the mirror and forgets their reflection as soon as they walk away. Isaiah 48, the grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of our God, does he know it? Endures forever. I don't know if I could have answered that either, so good job. Romans 1, 16 through 17, one of my favorites. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and then to the Greek. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith, as it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. And then probably one of the most famous, 2 Timothy 3, 16 to 17, all scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God, that's us, may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. So the Word of God is, 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 is very, very important. It is promised all throughout Scripture. It is emphasized that it has power. It has power to teach us, to correct us, to train us. It has power to form us, to guide our paths. It has power to bring salvation unto our hearts and upon hearing it. John 14, Jesus promises this about the Holy Spirit. He says, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to you remembrance of all that I have said to you. 
There is emphasis put on the power of the world, the word. And Jesus in that last passage promises us that the Holy Spirit will come and help us and remind us of those words, remind us of those teachings so that we can experience the correction, the rebuking, the training, the reorienting and ordering of our steps. And most importantly, to remind us of the grace that we have received. Oh, we are in bad trouble when we forget Is there good trouble? We're just in trouble when we forget that we have been saved. The Bible also emphasizes meditating on the Word. One of my favorite passages is Psalm 1. Did anyone know Psalm 1? Are you familiar with Psalm 1? Raise your hands if you know Psalm 1 and you've heard it before. Psalm 1, oh, explore it. It is wonderful. Listen to what it says Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. But his delight, his joy, his happiness, his fulfillment is in the law of the Lord. And on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in season doesn't wither. And all that he does, he prospers. A great emphasis on meditating, on, on sitting with and letting it soak in and letting it get into every part of our body and our heads and our souls and our hands. And so that we can yield fruit when we need to yield fruit. And that when the season goes away, we don't wither and our leaves don't fall. That we, we draw in from the stream. And that is the constant knowledge and instruction that comes from the word. And that we are promised tree-like strength. Y'all want to be trees, right? Tree-like strength. Not like the trees in Florida. If you ever go to Florida and see the oak trees, their root system is not so great. And the water table is a little high. Those things fall over like, like toothpicks. And they're huge. Now a strong tree's roots go down deep and, and gets the nourishment from the stream of the knowledge and the word of the Lord. And so we're in the word of the Lord in the book of Acts, and we open up today, and guess what we're going to learn? We are going to hear the story of Peter and Cornelius a third time. Everyone, yay, right? Thank the Lord for repetition. And you may be asking, how much more can you squeeze out of this? But we're going to give it a shot. Remember this story of Peter and Cornelius. Cornelius has a dream. And in the dream, he said, the God says to, or a vision, God says to him, send people, go get Peter. Peter's got a message for you. Then Peter has a dream the next day. And God says, here, eat all these animals that I've provided for you on this sheep. And they're all different kinds of animals, some dirty, some clean, whatever. God says, go, eat, eat these things. And Peter's like, by no means, Lord, I will never put anything dirty in my mouth. And we were reminded of Peter's moments when he looks at God and says, ah, no, by no means, and tries to tell God who is boss. And our takeaway from that week is watch out for our own by no means moments. When we look at the Lord and say, "Mm, I'm Lord of my life, thanks for playing. And then the second week, we heard it all again. And this time we focused in on whosoever means what? Whosoever, A plus, so all got that. Good, you got the Greek lesson down. And that there was a challenge there for Peter and for his Jewish friends that were with them to understand that go and share the gospel to all means to all. Even these Gentiles whom you classify as dirty and unclean, 
The great realization of Peter's vision is he realizes that what God is doing in these people and what he has prepared in the hearts of these people has made them, made them worthy of hearing this, gospel, uh, hearing this gospel and responding to it. And then they see the Holy Spirit come upon them and they, they act out in the same way that the Pentecost happened some four, you know, ten chapters earlier. And their minds are blown and they're amazed and they're like, who could stand in the way of these Gentiles receiving the Holy Spirit and receiving repentance. I don't want to do it. Who's going to stand in the way of God? And so we learned in that last week, a great challenge for us all is to remember that all means all, and that when we are sent out into the world, we're sent out into the world with the message that is good for everyone. It's not for us to judge. God will do the judging, and he will bring to us a harvest of souls by that obedience of just going out as bold and courageous witnesses. So now we come here to this third time, now Acts chapter 11, 1 through 18, and we kind of get a recapitulation of everything. And, you're, and, and, and it's weird because we just heard it, and we're going to hear, I'm going to read it to you, you're going to get this all over again. It's one of the few times in scriptures where a story has been told three times in a row. Now, a lot of time in Scripture, you may come in contact with this with two times, when it says, amen, amen, truly, truly, I say to you, or your name is uttered twice. And we all know that when that duplicate stuff happens, it means ring a bell. Can I touch this? <laughs> Pay attention. Now, three times, that to me is like get out a pen and paper, write this down, put it on a post-it note, and put it where you can see it. Because this is really, really, really important to hear a story a third time. Luke is drawing our attention to something. Something is going on. We have to ask ourselves, why are we getting three pass-throughs of this event? And I think he wants us, Luke wants us to remember the word of the Lord. And that is really the, the main idea today. Remember the word. Everyone say that. Remember the word, for in remembrance we are corrected, we are taught, we are rebuked if needed, and we are trained. And as Timothy says, or Paul says to Timothy, excuse me, that all this happens so that we may be equipped for the good work that the Lord has for us. Remember the word. All right, let's dive in. Let's see what's going on here. Chapter 11, open up your Bibles to page 1093 of the Pew Bibles. If you've got your regular Bibles, we're at Acts 11, 1 through 18. Of course, you can bring it up on your phone, whatever you would like to do. Let's all try to look at this together. Reading from the ESV version, Acts 11, verses 1 through 18, what's going on? Now, remember, we just left. The great Holy Spirit event has happened with these Gentiles in Cornelius' house. They were baptized, and then it says they, they remained there for some days, Peter and his friends. Now, chapter 11, the apostles and the brothers who were throughout Judea heard that the Gentiles also had received the word of God. So then when Peter went up to Jerusalem, the circumcision party, and Luke puts that, that classification there on purpose. He wants to kind of highlight that there is a group within, within them that are really, really standing on, you must be a good Jew before you can be a good Christian. And it's that kind of stuff is just getting into their stuff. It's seeping in. It's in their DNA. Even Peter kind of struggled with that a little bit. Peter goes up to Jerusalem. The circumcision party uh, criticizes him, saying, 
you went to uncircumcised men and ate with them. But Peter began and explained to them in order, and that's real important, in order, top to bottom what's going on. He says, I was in the city of Joppa praying, and in a trance I saw a vision, something like a great sheet descending, being let down from the heaven by its four corners, and it came down to me. Looking closely at it, I observed animals and beasts of prey and reptiles and birds of the air. And I heard a voice saying to me, Rise, Peter, kill and eat. But I said, By no means, Lord, for nothing common or unclean has ever entered my mouth. But the voice answered a second time from heaven, What God has made clean, do not call common. Peter says this happened three times. And then all was drawn up again into heaven. And behold, at verse 11 he says, At that very moment three men arrived at the house in which we were, and sent, they were sent to me from Caesarea. And the Spirit told me to go with them, making no distinction. Don't, the Spirit says, don't try to figure this out, go. These six brothers also accompanied me, and we entered the man's house. And that's really important that these six others came with me to the house, because Peter is building his testimony, right? Not only did I see it, but these six people saw it as well. And he told us, Cornelius, how he had seen the angel stand in his house and say, send to Joppa and bring Simon, who is called Peter. He will declare to you a message by which you will be saved, you and all the household. And as I began to speak, says Peter, the Holy Spirit fell on them just as on us. I love that. Don't underestimate the power of just as. Just as on us at the beginning. And I remembered the word of the Lord. Underline that if you've got Bibles. And how he said, John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And then God gave the same gift to them as he gave to us when we believed in the Lord Jesus Christ. Who was I that I could stand in God's way? And then when the, they heard this, they being the circumcised party, they being the apostles, the, everyone, when they heard it, they fell silent. Because not only does the word of the Lord have the power to teach, correct, rebuke, and to train, it also has the power to silence those who stand against it. And they fell silent. And then they glorified God saying, then to the Gentiles also God has granted repentance that leads to life. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So raise your hand if all that sounded familiar. Right? right? <laughs> Heard it now, this is the third time, okay? Now look at this. What is going on here? Well, the first thing that's going on here is that there is some false thinking that needs some correction. And the false thinking is not coming from Pharisees. The false thinking is not coming from evil people. The false thinking is coming from within the leadership of the church. More importantly, the apostles. The apostles. The apostles in Jerusalem, they're thinking they're not happy with Peter. And they want him to come and give an account for what he did. But look at what they are most upset about. They are upset about that Peter violates the law of Moses and eats with icky, dirty Gentiles. That's what they're upset about. They're not even mentioning or even troubled by the fact that Gentiles have received the Holy Spirit and now have been saved. None of that's mentioned. They're upset 
because Peter, bold as brass, and these six others stayed in a dirty house and ate dirty food, and now everyone is happy. And they're thinking, no, those aren't the rules. That ain't the way to do things. They have a total disregard for the salvation of the people and more concerned about keeping the law of Moses, the law that Jesus himself explains he has fulfilled. And the apostles, they've had three years of hands-on instruction on that. And they've continued in the ways of Jesus, witnessing the power of Jesus Christ and the gospel. So it's a real head scratcher. And yet in this instance, they are more concerned that Peter breaks this law. What's really going on? Surely, I wrote down, they can't be that upset. Why are they that upset? How are the apostles losing their mind here a little bit? Surely they have forgotten that Jesus heals the leper by touching first. Surely they have forgotten that Jesus heals the bleeding woman by her touching touching him. That's dirty. What are you doing, right? Surely they have forgotten that he heals blind people by touch as well. Surely that's not swimming around in their mind rent-free because they've completely abandoned all that and they're like, you went in and touched something dirty. How could you do that? David Guzik's message on this passage, he's a guy that uh, I've been following uh, through our series on Acts, and he has preached on all of Acts, and, and he has some great sound bites and sound nuggets. And in his message on this passage, he points out that what the apostles are possibly angry about is that they included the Gentiles in fellowship. See, in the custom of that time, having a meal with one another denoted a a significant relationship with that person, a fellowship, a friendship. And their irateness about, is that a word, irateness? Their, uh, their, their um, dissatisfaction with Peter and that he would do this could possibly be that, great, they, they're saved, but they're not to be in the fellowship with us. You can receive the salvation, you can receive that good news, and that's great. But to have you be a part of our community, ick, no. That's not going to happen. As humans, we have a great tendency in our sinfulness to create other, to create other people, to create those people. Those people is a very derogative term to anyone that looks different than you if you were to use those terms and, and create this little otherness there that you can, sure, you, you can know Jesus, but don't come into my church. Don't come into my pew. You just stay where you're at and I'll stay where I'm at and we'll all get to heaven. And of course, I'll have the bigger mansion and you may be off some avenue somewhere, you know, Lord knows what kind of hovel you'll get, but we'll all be there together. We have this tendency to create an otherness, those people there. I remembered, uh, I remembered a, a story, uh, a, an action in my life where I felt like I was on the other side. And, and I bring this up because for the main point that when you do that to somebody, if you've ever done that before, you say to them that they're not worthy. They're not worthy of your time. They're not worthy of your friendship. There's something about them that is just off-putting and you don't even want it in your life. The best place that I experienced this was pledging a fraternity. Yes, I'm sorry. (laughs) Mike, before Christ, was having a good time. So I I pledged a fraternity in college. Now look at me, folks. 
I'm, I've always been a big kid, you know, always, and I've always been, you know, portly, to put it blunt. And there are several fraternities that you could, if you ever rushed a fraternity, what it is is they, they have tables, usually in a common area or whatever, and you walk by, and if they hand you a piece of paper, that means that they want you. They want you to come and come to one of their events. And so for the week of rush week, I would walk by these tables, just walking on by, really not really caring if I, you know, if, if I want to go into a fraternity or not. I thought, ah, it might be nice, it might be fun. Nobody is handing me a flyer. Well, and it's because there's an image to uphold a lot of times when you're a fraternity. So I thought, well, whatever, I don't need any of that. And so my neighbors that I lived next to in the dorm, they then that first semester rushed a fraternity. They came back home after initiation. We were all just talking and having a good time. And they said, Mike, you, you should rush next, next semester. You should rush. And I'm like, I don't, I don't want to do it. I've already been rejected from it. I really don't want to do that. Well, one thing leads to another, and I end up rushing this fraternity. And I end up getting a bid, which means an acceptance to come in. And the only reason why I got that bid was because I made people laugh. If you know fraternity, there's two types of guys in fraternities. There's the athlete who is just, <clears throat> and then there's John Belushi. And that, you can guess <laughs> which one I favored. Well, during my pledging year, my pledging semester, there were brothers of this fraternity. This fraternity, too, was the athletic fraternity. So I was definitely a fish out of water. Like, they're like, do you play flag football? I'm like, uh, nope. <laughs> do you play soccer? Sure don't. Uh, but there were brothers in this fraternity who did not want me there. They didn't want me there because of how big I was and thought that I would ruin the image of this fraternity. And they tried hard to get me to quit. Wake me up at all hours and have me go run and do things so that I could lose weight. And I definitely felt other. Now there's a great turn of events to this story because the point of this story is that when we do this to people, you say that they're not worthy. And how dare we do that to somebody, right? But the goodness of this story is that yours truly went on to become the president of that fraternity And those brothers who wanted me to run and lose weight were delinquent on dues. <laughs> and yours truly got to sign the paper to say, you are now suspended from this fraternity. <laughs> Thanks be to God. <laughs> Why would we ever do that to people? Why would we ever treat them as other the parable of the great banquet is a famous great banquet. It's a famous parable. The servant is told by the master to go get the people who are supposed to be at the table, the cool kid party. And those people couldn't be bothered, didn't want to be there. So the master says to the servant, well, then go get all, all folks who will respond and let's fill this table up. And that parable was for the Pharisees to realize you're missing the good news. And God is going to open this table up to all who will respond. And now the apostles are in danger of forgetting and falling into the same system, the same mindset. Forgetting the word of Christ and the teachings all in the name of we don't want fellowship with those people. They don't fit in. 
And I have to wonder if Jesus is up there watching them do this, thinking, you all were fishermen and tax collectors. Get off your high horse. So there's a correction of false thinking that needs to happen. And so Peter gets a chance to do that. Peter gets a chance to fulfill what he writes himself in his letter in 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 15 through 17, that says this, Have no fear of them, nor be troubled, but in your hearts honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for the reason for the hope that is in you. Yet do it with gentleness and respect, having a good conscience, so that when you are slandered, those who revile your good behavior in Christ may be put to shame. It is better to suffer for doing good, if that should be God's will, than for doing evil. And so they ask him to tell them what happens. And so then Peter recounts his visions. And we get it a third time. All the things that God has done between Cornelius and Peter. Notice that Peter needs to hear his vision three times. Three times it happened. And now Luke is putting it in front of us three times. So that we pay attention. And so he recounts his vision and his his dream. He calls their attention to the word of the Lord And the defense rises to a climax as he says, I remember the word of the Lord. And he says, if God gave them the same gift of the Holy Spirit to the Gentiles, who am I to stand in God's way? Notice that his defense is not defensive. He questions them. He goes into this. And he simply replies with the truth of what happened. Standing on the activity of God and he has his witnesses to corroborate and standing on the word of God, which has the power to teach, rebuke, correct, and train. And what is the outcome? They all fall silent. And not only do they fall silent, see the repentance, see the spirit gripping their heart, because the next sentence is they glorify God. They realize through what happened, the activity and the word of the Lord, that this is a good thing. Now, the Gentile stuff is going to get into Jewish Christians' mess again and again and again. But here we're starting to see that start to crumble a little bit as they remember the word of the Lord. My friends, what part of scripture do you need to hear three, four, five times? Is it do not be anxious? Are you bound by anxiety at the moment? Is it do not be afraid? Don't fear about tomorrow. Are there things weighing on you that you just want to hold on to and not give to God? Is it thinking that you are just condemned and an evil sinner and there's no way God would love you and you forget that he says, neither do I condemn you, go and sin no more? Are you in the valley and you think that you're alone and you forget that he walks beside us in those times? The Bible isn't something to be referenced. It's something to be meditated on day and night. For the storms and the winds of this world are too great. Our trees cannot withstand it alone. They will fall over like the oak trees in Florida. Just down they go. Lest we meditate on his word day and night and drink deeply from the stream of his truth. We will encounter so many trials in this world. Trials that make us question and doubt the truth of the word. But Jesus knew this and he prayed that we would be kept by his word. That we would be made holy by his word. And he promised to help her in these wicked times so that we can continue to serve him well, even when storms rage and all around us and try to knock us over. Remember the word, my friends, just as Peter did. 
and have faith and trust that by the word of the Lord, we are made holy. We stand on truth. We've received correction when our ways and thoughts need corrected. We receive training when our thoughts are misinformed. And we receive rebuking when we give in to those ways and thoughts that leads us in the ways of sinners, scoffers, and all sorts of wickedness. Let those roots go down deep and get to the stream of the word of the Lord. Meditate it on it day and night. And when times get rough, when people begin to slander and push you around, when you become another for whatever reason, remember the word. Amen.